I don't I'm know sorry. if you noticed, but I was stuttering left and right. No, no, you're fine. You're fine. First time. All right, let's try again. Abdurrahman, good to see you, man. Sonic. Thank you. Thank you for sending me the right address as well. No worries. This is our reshoot because I actually didn't turn on the camera. So we've been shooting for a few minutes without uh, without recording. So it's good to see you, man. Thank you for it's coming good out. Good to be here. Thank you so much for having me. It's uh, we uh, it's it's 3 a.m. at Zico's right now yeah. in Tampa. So. Uh, alhamdulillah, it's uh, my first shoot at a restaurant, so let's see how this goes. Also, shout out Roasted. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> we did that. So, shout out to Roasted, Muhammad Saad, courtesy of Muhammad Saad. I shout like out follow. Muhammad Saad. Um, this is Batlawa and some sort of Turkish roll. Uh, so, good stuff. I'm not sure what the Turkish roll is, but I like the Batlawa, frankly. It what was about good. you? Yeah. You the like Turkish em? one was good, but it was a bit dry for me. But oh, really? I like things when they're like a bit saucy and yeah, yeah, same. Sweet. Yeah, yeah, I um, like it when it's like soft and mushy. Yes. I don't not, like them. not fruits though. I can't oh, yeah, eat yeah. soft fruits. Yeah, so. yeah. You, you need a hard apple, not yeah, a soft, squishy exactly. apple. Yeah. Are you? Uh, does this bring you back home, like the Turkish sweet? Because you're half Turkish. So I'm. I'm not like fully half Turkish. Uh -huh. Just like some of my ancestors are Turkish. Oh, okay. Like great grandparents and stuff. So I just like roll with it. So both your parents are Egyptian. Both my parents are Egyptian. Yes. Oh, then you're Egyptian, bro. There's no I Turkish guess, in I there. I guess I'm Egyptian. I just love the Turkish culture so much, so I try to assimilate with them. Mm. Like all I do is watch Turkish shows. I don't know if you've heard of Uyanis and Alp Arsalan. Alp Arsalan I have, yeah. but the real guy, not the movie or show. Okay. Yeah, there's a show. You guys should definitely check it out. Uh -huh. It just it shows the history of how the Turkish uh, people became into power mm -hmm. and how the Ottoman Empire was formed. And it's just very interesting to watch. And they put their own twist to it as well. I'm I okay. hear you. I'm going to just close this. So the yeah, yeah, go ahead. Um, have you seen Arturgo? And then I'm just going to fix the I camera have, real actually, quick. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I've seen Ertegrul. It's the that's what kind of got me into the whole Turkish uh, warriors thing. So honestly, I can't imagine like back in the day where all they had to do was focus on just not being killed, and yeah. it was just a whole different mindset, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So um, there's also another good show I saw back before it became like a, a just a Turkish drama. Mm. Have you seen the Sultan Abdul Hamid series? I actually started it and I couldn't get through it just because it wasn't as uh, intense as Ertuğrul and Osman and all the others. Yeah, but it's very good. I feel like it's very accurate as well. Yeah, yeah. And the guy even looks like the actual Sultan. So yeah, yeah. They they, they said that it was far more accurate than Ertuğrul just because it was you know closer in time, mm -hmm. and so they said that they considered it seventy percent accurate. Then they added some drama for for whatever for TV. Um, I, I liked it frankly just because of the um, the the political tactics. You yeah. know what I mean? Like the ploys and the whatnot and the. The backstabbing, like his brother-in-law yeah. tried to, you know, take him down, and it's he the people him. closest to you that damn you right. Watch out for. Well, lie. Uh, but anyway, so you're on TikTok. Mm -hmm. Are you a, a full-time TikToker? So I just started off during COVID, like you know, okay. just messing around. Nobody could really see me, so I was just goofing off over there. And mm -hmm. then, like one video would blow up, and then the other started blowing up. So then, I, it was kind of a hobby, and then it started being really fun for me. And I always knew I wanted to like inspire the youth to become closer to the deen and stuff because growing up I had people who inspired me to become closer to Islam. And I feel like Islam is something that it's not really, it's taught by the parents and by your teachers and whatnot, but everyone has their own journey with Islam. So yeah. if you don't find it for yourself and you don't feel that connection with God, then I feel like it's going to be very hard for you to fully have faith in everything that Islam talks about and everything and whatnot. So alhamdulillah, I was able to kind of reconnect with the deen on myself through Islamic lectures, Hamza Yusuf, Omar Suleiman, all those mm. great role models of mine. So 
and then now alhamdulillah i feel like i'm i'm doing the same thing i can kind of show people that you don't have to be insanely religious to uh do everything you want in life it's yeah. all about balance you know yeah so just get the five prayers in and then you have time for school working out enjoying time with your friends and stuff so alhamdulillah now i feel like i'm branching off onto youtube because mm. i feel like i can show more of my personality and i just people have longer attention spans on youtube you know yeah. tiktok is just like five seconds six seconds right and it's just like uh i feel like i can have more of an impact through youtube inshallah so inshallah so so you um this is like it's it's not a main thing what's your main thing right now i'm in dental school that's okay. my main thing that takes up a lot of my time and um you know i didn't really start off with dental i started off as engineer hmm. but i can i couldn't get through calc one and calc two so i just I had hear like, you. I kept having W's in there. And then I found my way through dentistry, inshallah, alhamdulillah. Inshallah. So that's what How are you liking it? I love it, honestly. It's just that the very studious, that part I don't really like, but the hand skills part, I love it. So are you, what year are you in right now for dental I just school? started. It's my first year. Okay. So in about four weeks, we'll finish our first year, inshallah. Okay, alhamdulillah. So, so we're going to have you in Florida for a little bit. I'll be here for the next two years, inshallah. Awesome. And okay. Then, yeah. And then you're going back to Houston. Well, my fourth year, we're going to be purely going to clinic. So either I'm going to be shipped out to Erie or Defuniac Springs. That's w also in Florida. I don't know if you've oh, heard okay. of it. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, Erie. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's good. So, so we have you for a few years. Yeah, alhamdulillah. What, what's, alhamdulillah. what have you been up to these days? Uh, well, my full-time job, I'm a product manager. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I work for a startup. Uh, but I've, I've, I've enrolled recently, last uh, fall, at the Islamic Seminary of America. Okay. Have you heard of it? No, I haven't. It's uh, Sheikh Yasser Qadi's uh, university. Oh, okay. Yeah. I know Yasser Qadi. He's in Dallas. Yeah. So he, is it an online thing or do you go to it, Dallas? Yeah, it's a hybrid model. So you, you go uh, in person for some classes mm -hmm. and then you're, you're online for, for others. And then I think there's plans to make it fully in person. But right now, yeah, it's, it's online. Well, um, what made you pick that one versus like Zaytuna or? Well, Zaytuna was uh, hella expensive. Mm. <laughs> it was just really expensive because it's, it's like boarding school. You have to move uh, to California. I see. So you can't really do it alongside a full-time job. Yeah. Uh, there's other options too. There's uh, Al Maghrib Institute. It's not a, r it is now a real degree program. That's by uh, Omar Suleiman or mm. Noman Ali Khan? No, no. Um, so Noman Ali Khan is Bayna Academy. Okay. That's like Arabic mostly. Um, and then uh, Al Maghrib is like um, it's where Sheikh Hasqali used to be. Oh, and so I there's see. a bunch of other scholars there. Okay. Um, there is also uh, Sheikh Shadi's Institute, Safina Society, but it's also just like an after-school program. He was here in Tampa a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. Did you yeah. get a chance to see him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. did. I, I took. We actually took him out to, to dinner at uh, okay. Istanbul, the, the the restaurant. We had a very fun conversation about Khilafa. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wish we could establish Khilafah these days. Yeah? I would be 100% for that. Yeah, yeah, I saw your TikTok. It was like, man, why don't the Muslims just get together and build a Khilafah? And you then know, epic actually, music plays. Uh -huh. I, the reason is because yeah. the British divided us like back in the day. Yeah. They made us very nationalistic. Like, oh, you're Egyptian. You're going to be Syrian. You're going right. to be whatnot. Yeah. But back in the day, we were all under the Ottoman Empire. Like, that was the last, I feel like, Khilafah that we had. Yeah. And that wasn't too far ago. It was only 200 maybe years ago. So to think how much it's changed in 200 years, they're very smart. They was divide and conquer. So yeah. they just split us all apart. Actually, if you guys didn't know, the Ottomans were in charge of Mecca and Medina. Right. And they had a railroad that connected all the cities along the way. And the British didn't like that because it made Muslims very, very powerful. And like through trade and all that, because trade is where money comes, the money comes in. Yeah. So we were just too powerful and we had so much land. And they thought of a way like to divide us. So... It's really sad, actually, once you start looking into it. 
they gave the they gave Palestine to the Jews. They started bringing them in in waves. And honestly, I don't know what gave the British the power to do that because they were not in charge of that land. But it's very sad. You know, yeah, yeah. you mentioned Sultan Abdul Hamid. They talk about that a lot. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and he was like the last bastion of hope for Muslims because he was defending, yeah. he was stopping that from happening. Um, but honestly, and, and this is just the rhetoric around Khilafah, and this is what we were talking about at mm-hmm. the, the restaurant with Sheikh Shadi. The way Muslims envision Khilafah today, it's kind of a copy and paste model from the past. You I know see. what I mean? And there, a person posed this question to a big scholar, Sheikh Hassan al-Dadu. He's like a, a big shot. And uh, someone asked him, like, you know, why don't we have one? Why can't we have you know, the questions like that, right? And he basically said that, um, well, Muslims can basically work towards something to that effect. And it doesn't have to be what you're saying to destroy borders, mm-hmm. you know, and to say there's no more national identity. There's no more national this, no more culture. It can be just like, and he, this is exactly what he said, the European Union, okay. you know, and a, a coalition of Islamic states that are foreign policy. They're all working together, but internally they have self-governing because we never really had one Khilafah, right? It's always been a couple. Yeah. Every single time there's been like, uh, you know, the Mughals, the Ottomans, the Safavids. It's always been a couple of people and everyone's calling themselves Amir al-Mu'minin. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I totally agree. You mm-hmm. know, Muslims need some way of defending and protecting themselves. Yeah. That could just be juicing up what they have today, which is the OIC, the Organization of Islamic Countries. And it's headed, I Actually think... I've never heard of that. Yeah, and it's, it's headed by uh, Turkey for now. And, mm-hmm. But I don't know if it switches. I think it switches every few years. Um, and they can literally just take that model and build it back up again. Yeah. Um, but for me, it's, it's not the most important thing. Because as an American Muslim, I think that, you know, and this is exactly what Sheikh Hasekali says, that the goal of an Amer- American Muslim should be to... Uh, should be preservation and propagation. You know, preserve your Islamic identity, retain it for yourself and your children, pass mm-hmm. it on, and then also propagate your belief. And it doesn't have to be active doubt. It could be passive doubt. You know yeah. what I mean? It could be just people see that you're an upstanding Muslim and you're a great dentist mm-hmm. and you're also killing it in, in some other aspect of, of your life. You know what I mean? That's so, actually the goal, inshallah, to yeah. inspire others through just character, not even like just actual... Because you know when you preach too much, like yeah. people don't want to listen. 100%. But if it's, it's more actions over words. So if you show them like your character... For example, you go out of your way to do something nice to someone. It could be even like paying for the person's meal if yep. they can't afford it. Something small. Yeah. It just shows like, and then you, if they see a bunch of Muslims doing that, they're like, okay, something's going on with the religion. Like, it's not even just one Muslim. It's every Muslim that I come across. Yeah. So I fully agree with that. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I think it's a bigger threat to us to lose our own Islamic identities in yeah. the West than it is to seek out political authority you know what i mean like like for example we we in a, in a course we took called the history of islam in america there was a, a whole group of immigrant muslims to the united states between world war one and world war two that came and uh-huh. completely lost the faith like by second generation they lost their dna i was just discussing this on a podcast with some friends yeah and and that's a scary thought man like because it happened before too in south america it is it and, is. and that's why you'll find some people with muslim names muslim recipes like yeah. not muslim but like arab you know typical arab food yeah and none of them are Muslim because they completely stopped practicing. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that's like a bigger threat to us is to be able to understand Islam in the context of modern society, which is the goal of the Islamic Seminary of America. Not, not, not to plug them, but yeah. that's what he says is that we need a forward thinking approach. You know, we need to retain the Islamic values yeah. while knowing how to apply it in today's world. And we need to make our own scholars and not keep importing them. So, but anyway. I agree with that. Yeah. Um, I wanted to drop something. I want to hear your thoughts on this. Okay. You know what I mean? I don't know how open Uh-oh, you are to sharing your comes. opinions. Huh? Here it comes. 
So what do you what do you think about uh, this Mufti Meng controversy? Um, I don't know what's going on. Honestly, I just uh-huh. on my I always see people trying to like bring him down, and I just seen like on TikTok people are are saying everyone's trying to cancel Mufti Meng, cancel Mufti Meng, but yeah. I haven't really even heard anything about it. So if you want to share what's going on, I mean, it's just uh, he he was at a, uh, he was doing Umrah. He said okay. this is uh, the rebuttal video that he uploaded. There was an article that came out from Al, uh, Al Jazeera that said that he shared a table with uh, a, a staunch Zionist that was responsible for the orchestration of the normalization policy in the UAE. So he's like not only an Israeli, not only a Zionist, but also you know someone that. Work, work towards normalization um, and so they were like why did he share a table with that guy and they're yeah. blasting him and then he shared a video saying you know that article was rubbish he straight up called it rubbish yeah and uh, he said it was a, a smear campaign and he said that he was doing umrah and he was invited for a dawah event in the uae yeah. for an interfaith of thought i see so and he, pro- he probably yeah. didn't know that yeah that and so people are up. saying Either you're saying that he's dumb and naive, yeah, or you're saying that uh, he did it intentionally. Which one is it? And they, they say, okay, he's a mufti. There's no way he's dumb and naive. Yeah, you know what I mean. And so I was talking to a friend of mine. I was like, bro, what if he was literally just going for a dawah event and then he got set up? He's like, bro, don't be so naive. I was <laughs> no, you know, as Muslims, we're supposed yeah. to always give the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. I really fully do not think he's the type of guy to just go out and sit on table with people like that. Yeah. And he honestly, like, you know, people will do everything they can to bring the people up there down. So, yeah, like you can see people just jumping to attack him. Like they don't even know what's going on and they're like ready to just tear him down. Yeah. And I feel like he's done so much good for humanity, especially as like a bunch of non-Muslims follow him. And if you see his Twitter page, he's always tweeting like the most relatable things. 100 percent. And he's helped a lot of people out of depression and everything. So uh, people will always look at someone who's like up there and they just don't like it. Or maybe they just envy him and they try to bring him down. And like people don't there's always a lot of things going on behind the scenes that we don't know. So and I feel like he's he. He's so adamant about his deen, mashallah. Yeah. So he wouldn't like go out of his way to go sit on the table like that. So yeah, I, I think that people are making a lot of assumptions. Yeah. And uh, Dilly, Hus- uh, Dilly Hussein from the the Blood Brothers podcast, great guy from the UK, was calling him a sellout celebrity sheikh. Mm-hmm. I think that's really harsh jargon. You know yeah. what I mean? I don't know if you can call people that just off of what they what you saw because you know maybe you missed out on some details. Yeah. Like I think that a lot of people want to tear down people that they're jealous of that they're yeah. they that they spite you know what i mean that they hate like for example you mm-hmm. you're on tiktok you have mashallah a very good following very large following i'm sure there's someone that's jealous of you right now you know um, what i mean so a lot of people do come like whenever i do something wrong for example i'll show my aura or i'll share a clip and add music to it mm-hmm. honestly i really actually really love the criticism because believe it or not that's it's hilarious. helped me become a better person because it's yeah. just like you know like after like multiple videos like my vlogs they used to all always be like music in the background you know mm. so and then after multiple times people be like bro astaghfirullah like you need it you should ch- um change it like imagine every single person that hears a song you'll get the bad deed for it and you just sit there and you think about it and you're like you know what they have a point and subhanallah like once i've changed to nasheeds it's been even i feel way more comfortable like going to sleep at night i'm like mm. okay like i'm not getting sins for something like i'm actually bringing people closer to the deen and also one thing you should realize is whenever someone's made it like Mufti Mank, 
like you us talking about him will always bring people's attention you know what i mean mm-hmm. like you put mufti mank's name in anything people will be like okay mufti mank i'm gonna come watch that yeah so if it, it's very controversial the more controversial it is the more people will want to listen to it so i feel like a lot of people are also just using that as a means to get more clout to yeah yeah their channels and stuff yeah for sure um i mean just on on music i mean i, I totally respect that position mm. you know simple that they say it's haram I don't think it is, and there's um. a bunch of scholars that that are of that opinion. Um, so it's it's fine either way, honestly. Yeah. Obviously, we're not talking about ex- you know explicit lyrics, mm-hmm. which is 90% of music today. Uh, music that obviously yeah. is haram from lyrics. Um, but I think anytime there's a person that is uh, popular, sorry, my volume is peaking. Let me just no drop worries, this no a worries. tiny bit. I think anytime there's like a person that's like popular or you know that's on social media and, and, and has a large following, people always try to make up a story to discredit them. You know what I mean? Yeah. What were you saying again exactly? It's just about people not being so who they really seem. The thing about social media and just people in general, like I'm not going to name drop anyone, but you will see yeah. people and they will be the best hafad, mashallah. Like you'll look at them and you'll think they're the biggest shiuch, mashallah. Like even me, you can look at me and you can be like, wow, this guy seems so religious. Like that's what we want you guys to see. You know what I mean? Mm. So you can like... I'm not going to name drop anyone, but you would see pe- like these hafad and like people who are the highest levels in status in society and you just have no idea what they're doing behind the scenes. Yeah. And you'll be shocked. Like you, once you figure out what's going on behind the scenes, you'd actually be shocked. Like for example, I I don't even know the kid's name, but one that one time I'm not sure if y'all are familiar with Actually, I shouldn't say this. I don't want to no, like, talk fine. about it. Anyway. But just, just, just don't look at someone on social media, especially even me, like literally anyone, and be like, wow, this guy, he has the perfect life. MashaAllah, he's so yeah. religious. Like, look at the good they're doing and try to aspire to be like them. But at the end of the day, no one's perfect. Everybody's, everybody sins, you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Some sins are bigger than others. But I would say, like, social media is very deceiving. So. Yeah, yeah I, think, uh, I think if we just look at it from, uh, like, from a religious perspe- yeah. perspective, uh, it says uh, there's a hadith that from the perfection the Prophet ﷺ said I from the perfection of one's religion is leaving that which does not concern him mm-hmm. uh, and so I think when when people dig into other people's lives they're 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 first of all they're doing a disservice to themselves because they're wasting their time yeah and then second of all it's not from the sunnah you know you're supposed to just stay in your lane yeah you know w- worry about yourself and then also the, the ayah says in the Bible yeah exactly. some of what you assume can be a sin yeah. um, and so I, I totally agree. I mean, obviously, some people live lives that are completely opposite from reality. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's really nothing we can do about that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like the best thing to do is, for example, you look at someone who inspires you in a way. Yeah. And just take the best from him. But don't, like, fully idolize someone. Don't look at someone like, oh, I have to be like this guy or this guy is so perfect. I would love to be like him. Just take the best from... So, you know, no one's perfect in their own... Everyone's perfect in their own way. And at the same time, everyone has their flaws. So... Yeah. For example, you can look at someone and be like, I wish I knew as much Quran as him and then go out and seek that knowledge, you know, yep, yep. or you can look at someone and be like, oh, he's so strong at the gym yep. and be like, OK, you know what? I'm going to start hitting the gym today. But don't look at someone and then think that you're going to you want to imitate every single thing in their lives because no one is perfect, you know, 100 percent like, yeah. I th- yeah. So it, that's just my take on it. I hear you. Yeah. I mean, uh, just, you know, linking it back to, to Mufti Menk, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I th- I still think people are trying to tear him down just just because of who he is. Yeah. I could be wrong about that. Maybe oh my god, this guy turns out loves Israel, you know. Mm. <laughs> you know I have no if, idea. Yeah, even yeah. if he's naive like it's fine. He's human. He's yeah. not like a super 
he's not like Superman where he can just know everything about everyone. You know, yeah. like he has good intentions. He came to an interfaith meeting. He was out there to give dawah. So maybe someone set him up to because if you look at the picture, I saw the picture you were talking about. Yeah. It literally just has him and the uh, Zionist exactly. right next to each other. Yeah. So they don't show anyone else. They don't. Sh- it's like it's for sure. Like to me, it looks like a setup. So yeah. And, and, and you know what else is, is um, I think people we often assume the worst. Mm-hmm. You know, we from the get go, we, we hop on something and someone just makes up the worst story. That must be yeah. true. Whereas obviously you're supposed to give, yeah. you know, the excuses. So the thing I would say about that is that all comes from within yourself. You know, if yeah. you're a bad person, it'll be so easy for you to just think the worst of everyone. Yeah. But if you're a kind hearted person and you just want to assume the best in everyone, you will look at a certain situation and you'll be like, OK, like there's something going on. Like, for example, the the I'm not sure how accurate this is, but there's that one person that if you were to see alcohol on someone's beard, 100%. you would give him the benefit of the doubt and be like, oh, he, someone spilt it on him. He wasn't drinking. Yeah. So it's just always give people the benefit and it'll make you feel so much more pure. And, you know, when you have so much ill in your heart, it really it really messes with you. And you just start assuming the worst out of everyone, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and that, that quote, by the way, from the scholar, he also said, and this, this part is kind of funny. He says that if I saw a man standing on top of, of a mountain mm-hmm. saying, I am your Lord, worship me, I would have thought he was reciting the ayah. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. So exactly. I, if they went to that length, yeah. then we can give the man an excuse of saying, maybe he didn't know mm-hmm. or maybe he had good intentions because yeah. there's a lot of stuff that's gray in Islam. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. there's the part, okay, well, there's black and white, like yeah. alcohol is haram, we get that. But what about the part about whether or not it's permissible? For, for example, mm-hmm for uh, Muslims to stand hand-in-hand with LGBT at a Mm. rally. Some scholars were totally okay with that. I just had an interview with Imam Zaid, and Mm. he was totally okay with that. And some scholars say they're they're opposed to it. They say, no, you shouldn't be united on on anything. Mm. And both sides have evidences that they cite for their positions. And so when Sheikh Omar Suleiman was at that that vigil for, I think it was for for refugees that were, you know, harshly er, put in prison, the the refugee kids, and he was at that vigil with Christians and and non-Muslims. Yeah. And he poured a drink and someone said this is a reenactment of shirk and kufr mm-hmm. and polytheism it's like dude why don't you just take a second to think about what went down yeah. and see if there's any you know evidence for his position which there is yeah. you know and there's the people cite the 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 sahabi who went to the prophet sallam, and he he asked about slaughtering his uh his his sheep at a place called boana and boana was a place that the prophet sallam forbid slaughtering because it used to be a place for rituals and mm-hmm. uh, the uh, polytheistic rituals, and he forbi- forbade it. Yeah. But at this instance, when the man asked again years later, he asked him, and the Prophet said, Do you still have any, uh, uh, what do you call it, ignorance in your heart of Boana? Meaning, do you still adore that place as if it was the place mm-hmm. of rituals and sacrifice? He said, No. He said, Then go. So Boana just became halal. Yeah. And it was a place for rituals and sacrifice. I see. So it, it, go, it all goes back to what the scholars say that you know that everything is based on intentions did Sheikh Hamasimah grab that cup and pour it with the intent of glorifying the, the Greek god of Odin or some, some crap like, you know what I mean yeah, yeah, yeah. or did he pour it because it was part of you know the, the social activity that you say something nice about the refugees and you pour from this cup yeah which one, which one makes more sense see the thing is it's all about intentions you just yep. never know and that's between you and Allah you know like you can do anything you want. The f- I think in Sahih Bukhari, the first hadith ever is yep. So every action you do is all solely off your intention. You can, for example, go to pray Aisha and not have the right intention like you're going to show off and you won't get any reward for it. Yep. But you go to with the right intention, you'll always get the good rewards for it. Yep, exactly. So. Um, 
But anyway, uh, that's that's Mufti Mank. Anything yeah. else you want to dive into? I'm open to anything. So yeah, if you have any other questions. So when when are you getting married, brother? When am I getting married? Yeah. That's a good question. <laughs> I'm working on it, inshallah. Yeah. Hopefully soon. We'll see. A, a lot of guys will say, oh, no, no, I'm, I'm postponing. A plan. But really, they are looking. They just don't want to say yeah. like, bro, No, for me, yeah. ever since... I, ever since I was a kid, I knew as soon as I turned 18, I'm going to get married. I'm going to have kids at 20. Yeah. But, like, you know how life is. Life just goes on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, for sure. But, alhamdulillah, like, if I have an opportunity, I'll get married right away. You know, like, yeah, for that's sure. something I've... I feel like one thing that society should normalize is even if the guy and girl don't have the means to, they should just get the Islamic marriage done, the Katbul Kitab, because they're going to, like, like it or not, they're going to see each other at school anyways. They're going to yeah. be talking, like... I've seen the most religious kids coming from the most strict backgrounds at, uh, back home in their own home household yeah. go to uni and then they just hang out like with girls and guys like no like it's just that's just the way it is you know I'm not gonna say I sat here and sat in a corner and didn't talk to any girls in undergrad yeah. that's just you have the MSA events you have classmates I feel like instead of parents trying to get their kids to never talk to a woman unless it's the mahram they should teach them the proper etiquettes of talking to women and you know the sahabas have interactions with females all the time 100%. you know so it's like a norm they shouldn't it shouldn't be like a taboo or like don't look at girls don't talk to girls like no it should be like okay this is how to talk to girls or because how how are you going to expect to get married to someone or to exactly. fancy someone if you don't even know how to talk to them properly exactly or if you've never even seen them in the first place exactly you know so i just think like arranged marriage there's two types of arranged marriages you know there's the ones where you actually sit down and get to know the person and like okay yeah this could work and then there's the one where it's like okay, y'all are going to get married without seeing each other. And that's completely against our religion. So. Yeah. yeah, in terms of like the social interaction, obviously there's, there's a, this is another gray area, right? Mm -hmm. Like what's halal between the genders? Just because it's not talked about enough, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and um, I, I think that, uh, okay, so here's my take on it, which is the, the one from, you know, some scholars that mm -hmm. I look up to. Um, there are, there's a multitude of evidences in the sirah that show that the Sahabiyat and the, the Sahaba had much closer of an interaction than we think. Mm -hmm. And then people dismiss that and say, oh, but th there was a better generation. It's like, no, like, this is literally as they're being trained, you know, as they're being built up. See, I don't even know anything. Like, I've never even heard about any. Of I know they must have had it because, like, they all live in the same area. And yeah, yeah. Like, if I you just look at don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you look at the masjid, like the, the, the first the first masjid, uh -huh. or actually the second, not Quba, so the, 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 the masjid in Medina. The, the Sahabiyat were sitting so close to the Sahaba that there's a narration. I believe the Sahabiyah, her name is Fatima bin Qais. And she was sitting so close to a Sahabi in front of her. Uh -huh. She was like the first line for the woman. And this is the last line of the men that she's sitting next to. Yeah. She's sitting so close to him that she can say to him and he can hear her in a gathering that like because there was a, a, a shout, there was a cry after the Prophet said something. She couldn't hear what the Prophet said. So she asked the Sahabi, she said, brother, what, what did the Prophet say? Mm. And then he said, oh, he was just announcing that everyone will feel the torment of the grave. Okay. If she was able to ask that question and get a response, he had to have been within like a few feet. Yeah. Because you're talking about a gathering of people in a building, mm -hmm. in the masjid, and there's a lot of people, so you can't hear that well. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's one instance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's instances of the Sahabiyat, like knowing other Sahaba by name. Uh -huh. How could the Sahaba and the Sahabiyat know each other by name if they were just all covered up all the time? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and, and that's, that's the Sahaba. Like, okay, what about us? Exactly. You know, so yeah. when, so when Sheikh Hasqali came out and said, look, like you should wear the jilbab, mm -hmm. but there's a minimum that is also allowed. 
and it's not the jilbab. Yeah. It's just loose clothing. When he comes out with a position like that, you know what I mean? And he has he has basis for it. Mm-hmm. And he brings out the evidence for it. People attack people attack him and assume he's liberalizing Islam. Yeah. When all he's doing is showing you another view. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think I feel like the people the thing that people don't realize is there's so many different madhahib and there's so many Islam isn't just some things like you said are black and white, but there's a lot of other things that are just gray areas. You just yeah. don't know. And there are some you can just follow what the scholars say and every scholar I feel like has their own view on it. And I'm not saying they're right and I'm not saying they're wrong. It's just whatever you feel Islamically comfortable with, you know what I mean? Because we have the seerah and we have the hadith and yeah. I feel like it goes such in depth. Like if you look at any other religion and you look at our religion, no religion has been preserved as our religion. So yeah. there's always something that you can go back to and look at a certain incidents or something if you have any questions about anything. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and, and you would look at their evidences that they cite, you know, exactly. and no one can just walk around and say, you know what, guys, actually zina is halal. Yeah. You know what I mean? Actually, that's that that verse, it's abrogated. This is why. Because they have no basis for it. And what mm-hmm. you do is you follow the mashur, you follow the, the majority, you yeah. follow the jama'ah. And so when, when people have a jama'ah on something, that's, exactly. that's a legitimate basis for Islam. You know, right there with Quran and Sunnah, it's very high up in, in terms of importance. Yeah. Um, the, the thing about um, when people, this is my problem. When I upload something on TikTok, right, uh-huh. and it's a it's an Islamic question, like can a woman marry without a wali? And then the sheikh cites, like I had an interview with Imam Khalid, and he cited the Hanafi position that actually you can. Yeah. People assume the worst about the guest speaker. They assume this man, and Muslims for some reason, they're very prone to believe in conspiracies. I don't know why. Yeah. But they believe the world is out to get them, that uh, the world is run by, uh, you know, Zionists, and they're all united against Muslims and everyone, Russia, it's all a game. Mm-hmm. Muslims are the ones losing. You know what I mean? And There's uh, actually a hadith about that. Yeah. The one where there's going to come a time when the Muslims are going to be like food eaten at a table. So like yeah. you're going to have a bunch of, I don't even know who Salim was talking about. So but same. it does seem like that sometimes because if you look at media, you'll see that Muslims are talked about all the time when it comes to terrorism. Yeah. But you won't see like they won't be calling the white kids that shoot up the school terrorists. You know yeah, what yeah, I mean? For sure. So there is definitely an agenda against Muslims just because everyone knows how powerful Muslims could be if they wanted to, if they united. Yeah. But at the same time, Muslims should not like victimize themselves for everything that happens, you know? Right. So, so here's the question about that, right? Do we think that Muslims are targeted just because they're Muslim and there's a crusade against Islam itself? Or is it because Muslim-majority lands have resources that are within national interests mm-hmm. of other nations? Yeah. You know? Is it important to the United States to be involved in the Middle East because they hate Muslims or because the United States needs oil? Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it, like, I think it's a lot simpler than we make it out to be. Mm-hmm. I think that people are just acting in their own interest. Yeah. Like the United States is acting in its own geopolitical interest the same as any other country in the world. And it just so happens that Muslims happen to be in the wrong place yeah. at the wrong time. Like imagine if it was Sikhs or Hindus or Buddhists. The thing is, I'm pretty sure there's a lot of other nations that have all that minerals and all like the oils and stuff. Mm. I don't know like geographically where, mm-hmm. but I feel like Muslims are an easier target because they know that there's no accountability. Like, look what they did to Lib- Libya. Look what they did to Iraq and Afghanistan. Literally, no one's stood up against. Like, they don't. We don't have a backbone. Like, yeah. we don't have one. So, like, if we had one place that was actually extremely powerful and united, they would. They wouldn't like mess with Muslim countries the way they do right now. Like, for example, 
I don't know other geographic countries, but let's just say, for example, Russia has like all the minerals and oils they want. Yeah. They would never go in and try to like assassinate uh, the leader and be like, okay, there's terrorists here. We're going to take over for you guys. We're going to protect you guys. Yeah. Like, it's just like, they're just, Russia's too powerful for them to do yeah, that. I, you know? I, think, I think Russia, because it has nuclear weapons, mm-hmm. so that's the problem. But for example, Venezuela, yeah. we could very well occupy venezuela one day yeah you know only problem is they're allied with russia so that's one issue there so that com- brings us back to the point where we don't really have allies like yeah but i feel like eventually inshallah we should muslims will become so powerful like we all know the hadith of mahdi coming and all that mm-hmm. so maybe it's soon who knows <laughs> yeah i mean i'm not hedging my bet on it yeah i feel fine in america i'm, yeah, a, yeah, I'm yeah. a proud american i like my country um I just think we need to reframe the narrative around Islam here. I think yeah. we need to do a better job. Muslims can't, as Sheikh, as Sheikh said this before, Muslims can't afford, oh, Sheikh Shadi said it. Muslims can't afford to just have a career. Uh, a career. You can't just be an engineer. You can't just be a doctor. You uh-huh. literally have to study Islam because you're being attacked. Yeah. You're, you have to defend yourself. Um, and it's, it's a very different situation than if you were... Uh, you know, just a, an agnostic or a Christian or anything else because no one's coming after you. Yeah. You know, you could pick up a hobby. You could become a pro tennis player. But as a Muslim, you, you know, you, you need kind to have, have to go above and beyond. Yeah, yeah you can have a hobby, but you got to be you got to be involved in Islam in some capacity. Yeah. So one thing I really respect, there's a new Muslim, uh, Kyrie Irving. He's always showing his faith oh, mashallah, yeah. everywhere. Mashallah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very amazing. Yeah. And people will be like, okay, we're all Muslims here. like, But this guy has a platform and he is always using it to spread. And same thing, Muhammad Ali and yeah. Hakim Olajuwon, all these great people, Muhammad Salah, they 100%. always like go out of their way to kind of like, they don't have to do make the sujood after the soccer goal or whatever, but yeah. they just go out of their way to show that like you can be the great, you can be great and you can be Muslim at the same time. 100%. So, and, so. and you're doing a great job at it too, mashallah. Thank you, bro. You know, you're, you're uploading dental videos and yeah. you're also doing Islamic content. Mm-hmm. And I think that's great because... I think there's a lot of people that are, uh, they have Islam, but it's cradled within them. You know what I mean? Like they don't like to show it. I see. Because it's a little embarrassing or they're shy or whatever. And so obviously Muhammad becomes Mo Mm -hmm. and uh, whatever other names get switched around. I'm Um, not going to lie. I have a friend named Muhammad. I also call him Mo. Oh, word? Okay. (laughs) Yeah. It's just because as Muslims, we all know like Muhammad is Muhammad, you know? So we all have nicknames for each other. Like Ahmed or we'll call him Zizo or Mm. Abdurrahman, they call me Abdu, you know? I feel like sometimes the nicknames, it's not to hide your identity. It's just like, that's just what your nickname is. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, it could be. If you're ashamed of it, like that's a problem. But I feel like if it's the nickname that everybody calls you, then that's why whenever I see people like, oh, he's changing his name from Muhammad to Mo. Ahmed to Sam is a big one because it's just like, bro, like just <laughs> call me Ahmed or yeah. Hamoudi or something like yeah. your actual nickname. I get that. But I've, if it's a nickname, I don't think it's a big deal. But if you're yeah. actually trying to change your identity, like go out of your way. For example, like if you're a mechanic named Muhammad and you're calling yourself Bob, then it's like, OK, like what's going on over here? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I get it. Like, I, I understand like uh, not in those mm. cases that's obviously they're not doing it for that but yeah. in the cases where they are yeah, changing yeah, yeah. their names be- I understand why they're scared and shy and yeah. afraid because they're being attacked yeah. and they feel vulnerable uh, vulnerable like yeah. they don't feel like they can be Muslim and American at the same time and I think we just need to step it up and show Muslims everywhere that hey you you can be American and Muslim like you're doing yeah. you can be totally so normal actually people will be so respectful of you because they'll come yeah. up to you they'll ask you stuff like hey would Allah get mad at you for this like for example wow. one of my friends he saw a guy hug, um, shake a girl's hand mm. and he's like 
would Allah get mad at him for that? And I started laughing because it caught me so off guard because you don't realize how how much people are looking at you as a Muslim. Yeah. And like no matter what you do, like you're doing a lot of things that normal people don't. Like for example, the five daily prayers yep. or even fasting the 30 days, they'll look at you and they'll be like, bro, how are you doing this? Like, how are you in school right now? But it's just like, like you're not even trying to be different. Like Islam yeah. is just, it separates you from everyone by force i feel like like you're not even you don't even need to try to be different you're always doing things that are just different normal people would not wake up at 5 a.m to pray to worship god exactly unless they're having like a serious problem like we do that on the regular like problem or not it's 5 a.m we're gonna wake up pray fajr you know yeah but non-muslims or people in general who aren't practicing they'll just like they'll just be going with the flow like they don't have anything to i feel like the prayers keep you very disciplined like you'll start building your life for example i'm gonna pray asr and then i'm gonna go to the gym or i'm gonna pray fajr and then i'm gonna sleep a little bit and then i'm gonna go to school you know yeah it's always something that's built into you and it really kind of schedulizes it makes a schedule for your day 100 percent, 100 percent. and and uh um i think that when you retain your identity you're more respectable as a person yeah you exactly. know what i mean you didn't just turn into like I, I hate it when when I meet someone that has like a split personality. You know what I mean? Like yeah. a person that shows you a face at the masjid, like he's going inshallah, mashallah, like every other word yeah. is a Islamic word. And then outside of the masjid, he's like swearing off like a sailor. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah, a person yeah. that is showing you a personality because he thinks that you would like that. Whereas yeah. you're not being who you really are. Like, so one thing I noticed is whenever you actually start using the Islamic terminology, people around you will start picking up on it, like non-Muslims. They'll be like, Salam, how are you today? Or, MashaAllah. Like, it's it's actually, yeah. like, so yesterday I was with my friend, we were working out, and I um, at the end of the workout, I said, I'm going to go do this, inshallah. Mm-hmm. And he was like, what's that? I was like, that means if God wills. So he's like, so, oh, so basically, inshallah, without <laughs> the lot of part. I was like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. If it sticks, it sticks. Yeah. So you just be yourself and you'll gravitate people towards you. And you know, when you practice Islam to such a level where you're actually practicing Islam and being a decent human being, the way the Prophet ﷺ was, people will start noticing like, oh, this guy doesn't drink, he doesn't smoke. How does, how does he have so much fun in life? Yeah. Like I'll have friends in my school, they'll be like, bro, no way, you've never drank before? And it's like, how do you, how do you, how are you so happy? Like, how are you so full of life? And it's like, I don't need to depend on that stimulant to bring yeah. me happiness. Like I have my prayers i have my gym like you know like it's like i feel like islam gives you a higher purpose in life without having to depend on other things for stimulants 100 percent. by the way just on that note for gym Mm. dude what time do you work out man i i have an issue with with going to the gym yeah and seeing it just completely full of (laughs) yeah distractions yeah you know what i mean like i'm like my god i can't work out here there's no way yeah like this is just straight up meat market yeah yeah, i mean So, alhamdulillah, like for me, I have to be very close to someone to see what's going on. Because like right now I can see you, but it gets a little bit blurry. Mm -hmm. But like when I look into the distance, everything is kind of blurry. So, oh, wow. Yeah. Alhamdulillah, Allah like blessed me with like half, half vision. (laughs) But um, I work. The thing about working out is you can't just go whenever you feel motivated, you know, Uh and you can't like go to like, you know what you're saying? Like where you want to go to at a time when it's empty. That's respectable, but it's very hard. You know, like you're going to. To, so crunch is open 24 7 and if you really want to you can go at 2 3 a.m like someday sometimes i do that just because of ramadan oh which crunch because the uh, one here is like closes at like 10 i heard PM. there's only one in tampa that's open 24 7 wow yeah but at my place in Bra- bradenton there's one that's 10 minutes away from me it's open 24 7 monday nice. through friday 
And like when you go there, alhamdulillah, no distractions, completely empty. Yeah. But you kind of have to train yourself mentally to get in that zone where it's like, I'm here to work out. I'm not here to get distracted. My bad. Yeah, I'm no, not here to get distracted by anything or anyone. And you just do your own thing. And like a lot of people, like they start having a goal. They're like, okay, I'm going to lose X amount of weight. And I'm, I'm so motivated. I'm going to do this every day at X amount of time. Like, for example, 2 p.m. every day I'm going to be at the gym. You know, eventually motivation dies off. So you yeah. just have to like, apparently after 21 days of doing something, you build a habit. A habit. Mm. So I would say just even when you're not feeling it, that's the best time to go. Because it forces you to kind of get in the zone. And it, eventually you'll start feeling so weird. Like on your rest days, you'll be like, I need to go to the gym. Like, what am I doing with my life? Yeah. And not even like from a meathead aspect. It's just like. It's just such, it's like a part of you. It's like one of your five daily prayers. It's like, I have to do this, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, uh, I'm, I'm literally going to switch gyms just because. Yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Well, I, <laughs> the way these girls dress in Florida. Yeah. Oh, my God. And I work out of Miami, so. Oh, you live in Miami or? No, no, I, I live in Tampa. I have to go down to Miami sometimes. Mm. And, okay, uh, okay. Let's just say it's not easy. It's yeah. not easy. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But uh, let me check the time real quick because we have to have Suhoor. It's 4 a.m. Okay. Should we pause here? We can, inshallah. Is this a good idea? Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm okay with that. Okay. I'm okay with anything. All right. Let's let's go ahead and pause so we can uh, do other stuff. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. Hi, man. I appreciate you coming out. Habibi, thank you for having I'm me. I'm down for another one ASAP if you are. Whatever works for you, inshallah. Let's do it, bro. I, I have a lot it. of exams coming up. so uh, After the exams, inshallah. For sure. I appreciate uh, In the summer, uh, after... Maybe May twenty, May thirty. I'll it should be free. So Let's I know it's in a while, but I just uh, one fine. more month. I have like six, seven exams. It's all good, so. bro. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for man. having me. I'll catch you. I'll catch you. up with you soon, inshallah. For sure, inshallah. Salam.